Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, Adam is here. Rhiannon is here. I am here. I'm Caleb. We are we are all here for Loki episode six and a few other things. Oh yeah, we're here for yeah. real this time. I'm not just gonna like talk a little bit and jet flesh as as much as one can be via Zoom via Zoom. But if you guys didn't listen the other week all the way to the end, it looks like we may actually all be in the same room in October. Still not official official, but we're trying. Um, buy airfare now. Uh, I might. I see. I don't know what my schedule's. Like. I I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm trying to go to a convention next weekend, and I don't. I won't know until Wednesday or Thursday if I can go, just because you know life and scheduling and stuff like that. You would just think this is a thing where your work life should, like, theoretically um, collaborate with your wanting to have fun life. That's all. Yeah, and it's, you know what, it's even crazy when you write about comics and then you write comics, it's, like, very murky, you know, and it's oftentimes hard to separate, you know, the stuff, so it's very confusing on trying to, I mean, I'm planning on it, I'm planning on going to New York Comic Con. Yep. I need to find my anxiety beads where they drops. If you heard the loud clink earlier. You guys, you guys have these things? No, are they like, like uh rub around in your hand as a little fidgety thing? Let me, uh, oh. I do not. I need fidgety things though. I, I thought you were otherwise I like break stuff. In um in Greece they had like kind of like prayer bead type things. They were like kind of almost like a bracelet that had like little like beads around it and you kind of like flick the beads forward with your thumb and just work your way around the circle and i was like oh this is a very old practice for something that someone will commodify soon to help deal with anxiety uh, you know i always want it. every time i see it i said i'm getting one of those um cubes what are they called the cubes like fidget a cube light switch. yeah fidget cubes there's like a light switch on one side and then yeah. a spinny thing on another and dot Alas, I am stuck with my anxiety beads. Every time I see something like that, I just imagine some nun being like, uh, we've had rosary beads for a long time, guys. You know, like, <laughs> these have been around for a bit. <laughs> I'm like, I've got like 20 pounds of Mardi Gras beads, but... Uh, 20 pounds, huh, Rhiannon? 20 pounds because I scaled down. You scaled, you had even more? When you live in New Orleans, you accumulate Mardi Gras beads through completely wholesome ways yeah interesting like they have family of like the parades and stuff are family events and everybody throws beads. like i had so many beads wait all the parades are family events my whole not life's been a lot all the parades, all parades. Okay. <laughs> just in the same way we do not give legal or financial advice <laughs> even on travel <laughs> advice you uh, never take advice for what to do with a child from me <laughs> caleb is the one that says is this movie or event appropriate for children but there are a lot of Mardi Gras parades like uptown that are very family. It's a family event. It's, get it's yourself a, a beignet. Get yourself some beads. Maybe a shrimp po' boy. Shrimp po' boys are big down there, right? Is yes. that a New yes. Orleans thing? Yeah. Yes. I assume, doing- Rhiannon, a lot of that's like the club or whatever that I forget what they're called, but like the, yeah, the club crew. that hosts it. The crew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the, so like, I mean, there there's all sorts of parades, but they, I mean, like, and it's very much, you know, which ones are raunchy and which ones aren't. But if they are huge i mean there's there's parades that are 
I mean, the ones that you see with celebrities and everything, those are all big city, city endorsed. Well, they're all city endorsed, but there's, you know, they're big and they're all privately run. I mean, that's what the city doesn't pay for any of the parades or anything. Um, but they're all family events. Yeah. But like in the French Quarter, there's like the Crew de Vue and Crew de Vue is especially raunchy. Like if you've ever watched Treme, which everybody should, um it's an hbo series like they show crude like the first crude of after mardi gras and it's raunchy yeah welcome I, to new orleans news desk where we yeah. teach you how to get mardi gras beads without showing your chest to all <laughs> french quarter i didn't realize till we went down there and went to like the there's like uh oh what do you call it like there's one of the big um factories that like makes the floats that you can go mardi visit gras or yeah yeah i didn't realize like the whole crew culture that's like half like civic club sort of like a gang but also more wholesome most of the time it's just a fascinating world wasn't to me. that stuff and um cloak and dagger there was a or little bit cloak and dagger hit on the new orleans culture a tiny little bit i think they had the mardi gras indians a little bit too if i remember correctly it's been a while man it um, has been a while that was a pretty nice little show too yeah it was it was but yeah i mean i I could talk about new orleans and mardi gras and all that but yeah the blank heron's mardi gras world is right there on the river if anybody's visiting new orleans i encourage going to visit because you get a nice education yeah on that whole culture and everything all right uh we don't have a ton of new stuff let's talk a little bit about two quick news things uh first of all box office so black widow made about 80 million in the u.s last weekend uh, made another 70, 75, I forget the exact number, worldwide. And then, in a shocker, Disney announced that it made $60 million worldwide on Premier Access. Uh, they did not give a domestic Premier Access number, except to say that it must have been at least $20 million because they said they made over $100 million of something they're calling consumer spend in the United States. So... Um, it's insane they don't do this for every movie, man. It's insane. I mean, it didn't hurt the box office, right? I mean, it's above so, average. I mean, it's certainly more than any movie in the past 14, 16 months. Well, yeah. that's what I wanted to talk about. Some. It's really weird. You read, I mean, it is far and away the best release since COVID, but mm-hmm. then I'm constantly reading box office people that are like, well, when you compare it to the rest of MCU, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, this sucked, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I'm just confused. Like, I don't know. It, fe- it feels like people are like, well, COVID shouldn't change their, like, grosses that much. Have you lived through the last year and a half? Right. You know, like, it's well, kind of a freaking big deal. And you have areas, I mean, you, there's a lot of the world that's not yet open. There's a lot of the country that's not comfortable going out. There's... China it's not even available in theaters in China yet is it no and I wonder I mean but isn't there also a side of this where Disney I mean that money that came through Disney plus they get all of that but with box office returns they don't get all of that money Mm -hmm. well detractors are saying the difference is only like 60 percent to 80 percent but I I still would like to look at those numbers because I hear people say, well, there are participations and stuff on premier access, 
but the 60% is pre-participations on the box office side. Like that's just the theater cut. So yeah, it would seem that there is a good chunk of money. Server space is not that expensive. Like Disney is bringing in a good chunk of all of that premier access money. And so I would not be surprised if this was a top 10 opening for them as far as what made it to their pockets, all things considered. Because they have lost China, but China is also the least, has got the least margin for Disney of anywhere they, they distribute. So was this you that tweeted about Caleb? But there's also less international cinemas open now than there was last year because of lockdowns and stuff. I saw someone tweeting about it, about how there's hardly any, I mean, Australia shut down and it's not showing in China. And so there was a comparison, but Black Widow has fewer international screens than like a bloodshot or something like that. Yeah. Um, whatever. I mean, I've seen it both in theaters and on Disney plus and, so what's a normal opening weekend box office? Like if we go back and look at Captain Marvel or, you know, not in game, but, right. you know. So for, for, for Marvel. Um, so this is where it gets really hard. Captain Marvel and Black Panther both, I think, were like 150 realm or something like that. Okay. And so that's what everyone's comparing this to. But if you go a little further back and you compare Doctor Strange ant-man guardians of the galaxy any of the other first films in a franchise it's not that far off like it's actually kind of par for the course for phase one and phase two um opening weekends for marvel does that make sense yeah and i mean i think that's huge right considering the current environment to come even that close without china without australia without uh, you know all without all of the people willing to go to theaters i think this is huge so domestically black panther did 202 and captain marvel did 153 and so that's what a lot of people are comparing to but if you scale back to other first appearances or first solo movies spider-man homecoming was 117 iron man was 98 guardians made 94 um Thor the Dark World or um Dark Doctor Strange did 85 Aunt, uh Thor did 65 Cat First Avenger did 65 Ant-Man did 57 and Hulk did 55. So like if you just do first movies in the franchise this is pretty much middle of the pack like it's it's a little lower than say a Guardians did. Given where we're at and given that that does that 80 number does not include at least tens of millions of dollars of Disney premier access. I, I I don't, I'm I'm struggling to understand why the only way that this is down is if you ignore the fact that, Oh, I don't know. The entire freaking world got turned on its head 18 months ago. You know, Mm -hmm. that is what that is. You can, you can, now I, I should say the second weekend drop looks precipitous. So it's like a 70% drop is what it's looking at right now. Usually they hope for 50 and get 60. 70% is a big drop. And I'm sure some of that second viewings. I would usually with Marvel be watching it a second time this weekend. I watched it on Premier Access instead. So, which in a weird way, they made more money because it, it cost me $30 to watch it at my house. It only would have cost me $10 if I'd gone to see it at the theater. So... 
Well, and that's what I, that's what I think that, yeah, I'm with you there. The, the being able to buy it and watch it in your house unlimited is going to keep people, yeah, that'll make those drops in the theater. But I wonder how long it'll just sort of trickle, uh, you know, as if it gets to stay in theaters because people are going I saw it last weekend for the second time. A friend set up a screen in the backyard and we did like a backyard, you know, like all five of us watching it. And it was really cool to do. And I know some other people that have done that, but that is keeping them from getting the money in their pockets. Was Disney one of these studios to do a um, decreased like theatrical window deal? Uh, I believe so. I know that is certainly true for Shang-Chi. I think if I'm right, it's a 45 day window before it will go free on premiere on, on Disney plus. So. Cause I mean, it would be insane. Disney would just clean up if they gave them two weeks, three weeks. I mean, who's going to keep going, you know, watching it for the first time, three weeks out, you know, like that third weekend, if they could do premiere access that third weekend, I mean, why wouldn't, I mean, I would buy it on the third weekend. I would buy everything on the third weekend, probably, you know, after seeing it in theaters. It does also feel like a total Rorschach test for me whenever I hear people talk about the price point. Because I see so many tweets that are like, 30 bucks is way too much for premium access. And I see other people that are like, 30 bucks is way too little for premium. And it's totally, do you have a family and or watch it in a group of friends, like Rhiannon just said? Or do you go by yourself? Because if you go by yourself to the movie theaters, 30 bucks is a lot. But if you go with a group of five people, 30 bucks is cheap. You know, like it totally is. Even if you get the movie ticket, a soda and popcorn, you're definitely above 20. You know? Yeah. I think last time I did that, it was like 24 bucks for the soda and and popcorn. I'm craving popcorn so bad, guys. I was thinking that last night. I'm like, I might go to the theater and get popcorn. But I didn't. And I still haven't. So I might do that for you lunch. You can't pop it at home? I don't have any. So it's um, either what I go to get pop popcorn or what I go to the movie theater and just get the real stuff anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the conundrum I'm in. I mean, probably both is what I'll end up doing. After That's, I go drown myself in some fried rice, but I'm glad yeah. you shared that struggle with us, Adam. Yeah, I, I, I hope it was we're brave. talking about the box track. office. I yeah. mean, we're talking box office. We're yeah. you know partially food news desk, and <laughs> I'm just craving popcorn. Yeah, but it was just like the heartfelt manner that you shared your popcorn <laughs> dilemma. It, it it was really touching. It's all that's been on my mind. So. <laughs> Our theater continues to try to promote crap that is a corporate level thing that the local level doesn't care about. So they've been pushing the like order your snacks ahead and then pick up in the express line, you know? So the other day we did it. We're like, hey, we're going to go. We had to go straight from work because it was an early screening. And so we're like, we're going to order our snacks ahead and do the express line. There is no express line. You just wait in line with everyone else and then you show them their phone and then they make it as if you ordered it in person. Yeah. It saves you nothing. And this theater, every time they do a promotion like this, we're like, Hey, you guys are advertising this. They're like, Oh no, it's corporate. We don't care. And we're like, Oh, okay. Thank you. Like, great. Wonderful. What's the, what's the go-to theater? We've never talked about like theater candy, theater foods. Are you guys 
pretzels and cheese? Are you guys, I mean, do you guys go to the frequent the theaters where you just get a full five course meal with the recliner no. seats with all that? Just popcorn, sour patch kids, dots, junior mints. What, what are we doing? Usually, usually here it's, it's at least popcorn price, some SPK, you know, the sour patch kids and, and maybe a soda. I'm, I'm cutting down on the soda guys. I'm cutting on, down on the dew, the dews, the dew's slowly going away. So I don't, I don't know what this means for my theater snacks, but <laughs> popcorn's still going to stay. So the blood pressure's still going to be up and um, <laughs> yeah, Sour Patch Kids. What about you two? Like we've never talked about theater treats. I do popcorn with butter and that's all I do. And I have no, I mean, that's what I feel so wasted. I live across the street from an Alamo theater Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that they have like popcorn with real butter, yeah. but like, that's what I do at home. At home, I pop popcorn on the stove and put butter on it. So like, I don't know if I wanted that, I'd watch it at home. Alamo has uncomfortable chairs. One of my favorite things is AMC theaters. And I don't know if they're doing it post pandemic, but they had like $5 Tuesdays where like your tickets are mm-hmm. $5 and you could get popcorn for $5 and maybe a drink. I don't know. I don't usually get the drinks, but yeah, I'm just popcorn and butter. And that AMC deal is just awesome, especially for like your second viewing of a show or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of the pretzel nuggets with cheese. Okay. Yeah. However, our theater also falsely advertises them. They're always on the signs. Only about 36% of the time are they actually available, which is very infuriating. Um, but I like the pretzel. If I can't get the pretzel nuggets, they do uh, deluxe nachos, which are just a bag of chips, but they give you salsa and cheese and a thing of jalapenos. And I enjoy that. But they haven't been doing the jalapenos since COVID. I guess they don't feel like they can COVID cut safe, safely, COVID safely cut jalapenos up, I guess. I don't know. Well, uh, maybe you eat the jalapenos and it gets your nose running, and that means that the COVID is coming out easier. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> As we all know, the way that you fight COVID, instead of just injecting bleach into your veins, you need to just have a lot of jalapenos, and they'll force the COVID out through your nose. <laughs> Say goodbye to the Delta variant, everybody. <laughs> We also do not do medical advice on this podcast. <laughs> we don't either. do medical advice. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about was Emmy nominations. So the Emmy nominations came out. Disney Plus got a ton, but Marvel Studios specifically got 28, I think. Uh, like 23 of them were for WandaVision. It was the second most nominated show after The Mandalorian. A uh, big thing, though, is it was above the uh, what they call above the line stuff, too. So, like, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Olsen was nominated. Uh, Paul Bettany was nominated. Uh, the show was nominated for Best Limited Series. And then, in total bizarreness, Don Cheadle was nominated for Best Supporting Actor the in a Drama. insane thing. That means more than one person said, you know what, let's, let's give him a shot, which is the most insane thing, whatever. No, like, but I loved his reaction. I mean, because why, you know? But that's the only one Falcon and Winter Soldier got, but non-technical one, right. I guess. I think they got stunts and sound mixing or something. I still don't know what the hell sound mixing is, really. But you know. 
that's what Caleb does with the podcast after we're done. And I have yet to get nominated by the potties or whatever they potties, the Webbies, the Marvels. They just don't know what material you start with here. That's true. We need to send a sizzle reel of how much hot garbage this sounds like (laughs) before I mess with it. Just send them the first minute where we're all groggy at the beginning and talking about showing everyone your unmentionables in New Orleans. And like, oh, okay, yeah, there you go. There's a Webby. I do think it's like significant. I don't know. The industry people are paying a lot more attention to Disney plus than they ever paid attention to Marvel stuff on ABC or Netflix or whatever. Like I'm willing to admit as much as I love WandaVision, the idea that it's deserving of all these noms and daredevil never was deserving of any nominations, you know, like, it just shows you that this Disney plus thing has a degree of clout on the award side that is significant. Is it Disney plus though? Cause no other Disney plus stuff besides nerd stuff. Got well, it. I mean, the do you think stuff? Where do you they, think high school musical, the musical, the series deserves any Emmy? Nods? People say it's good, man. People I enjoyed it. I don't think it's Emmy worthy. I'll tell you what, this is totally random. Uh, Tony Hale in the Mysterious Benedict Society, he is totally worthy of a nomination next year round. This show is awesome. I love it. It's me and my 11-year-old, the only people watching it, but you should watch it. It's very good. There we go. Um, I mean, I do think, I think it's great that this stuff is getting above the line recognition. Um, I mean, Daredevil did get some nominate. I mean, like the, the Netflix stuff got below the line nominations. Yeah. Um, I I think the Don Cheadle is just weird. Um, I mean, somebody obviously just wanted him to have recognition for, you know, that happens all the time with these award shows. Somebody never gets the recognition for something where they deserved it. So they get the nomination somewhere else because people felt guilty over that. Um, But I think it's a really cool thing. Interesting that they're all limited series. I mean, WandaVision at least had, well, it had nine episodes, didn't it? Mm-hmm. I, where's the line between limited series and TV series these days? I think so, it's just the one shot of episodes or whatever, right? Uh, so it's bizarre. The non-continuing, I would say, is it? Except for Falcon and Winter Soldier is not supposed to be continuing. And they put it up in the drama category. And so some of this is just a game that is played. Oh, yeah. I, because like Lin-Manuel Miranda is nominated for Hamilton, but it's not like as a TV move. It was like, I don't know. It's like bizarre. And now they're doing weird things where like some of the streaming services are taking like long movies and cutting them into like three 45 minute episodes so that they technically qualify for the Emmys. And so there's soon going to be rules where the Oscars and Emmys are going to like hash out what can and can't be on each because a lot of places are trying to double dip and get nominated for both, which is bizarre. Speaking of this, this falls, you guys probably don't even pay attention to John Wick, right? But what Lionsgate's doing with the Continental TV show, three episodes, $20 million a piece. And it's essentially a movie trilogy because they're going to be between 90 to like 110 minutes long. That feels like Sherlock to me. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Sherlock was like that. And it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it. It was like you had a fresh little movie, like an easily watchable, fresh movie. So, yeah, I mean, is it a TV show if you're watching just three movies and three straight nights or something? You know, to I mean, me, that's a mini series. That's a legit limited event. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the reality of this, and we've talked about this on our like reviews of Loki and stuff. Increasingly, we we have to give up on our traditional definitions of movies and TV shows to some degree. Like, right. we're just increasingly getting content where, at the very least, the people producing the content have zero interest in the traditional dividing lines that we care about. So even if we feel like there still should be TV shows, I don't think Kevin Feige cares and they're kind of enjoying messing with the format. It does seem interesting. I mean, Feige said that, you know, they're making television shows too, which seems really interesting. I assumed he would like never say embrace television, but then you have people like James Gunn who says that he practically doesn't want to make anything besides television after working on Peacemaker. You know, he says he loves it so much. And that's what, I mean, I have been hearing, like, I listen to the Script Notes podcast with Craig Mazin that I, I bring him up all the time in this subject. But for a long time, he was like poo-pooing on television all day, every day. And then when he got to make an HBO series, he was like, uh, no, no, television is great. This is the story I want to tell. This is where I can tell it. This is the power I have always wanted as a screenwriter this is you know it, it there's there's so much value in television and i think pretending you know trying to turn it into a completely different medium is going to devalue that but i say that as a big fan of television yeah well and you mentioned it rhiannon the way that writers at disney plus are kind of showrunners now if you're a no. strictly no, directors are showrunners yeah, is it that way or is it no. the other way traditionally writers are showrunners but they're doing it with directors as showrunners and that's where i think disney plus is going wrong but you know so that's weird though because like michael waldron to me michael waldron was a much bigger like the way that they interviewed and everything he shaped loki far more than kate heron did as far as i mm -hmm. can tell yet kate heron made the final decisions regarding the right. mood the lighting the costumes the everything like that and typically the showrunner picks the costumes the the decisions on the actors and and all of that and it just until it's it's it creates that incongruity um you know, the, I, I think that's where in a movie you can have that. The one director can see all of that. They can take the, the written word and they can turn it into this vision. But the, the director, I mean, yes, the writer puts all that down, but then the director executes. And without having the writer involved in that whole process, you're in a different, are you guys still there? Yeah, you're in a different yeah. world. You just froze though. Uh, it is going to be interesting. I was talking about this. I'm not sure if Rhiannon was in this convo or not on a, on a certain Discord, but it's going to be interesting that, to see how it goes when we get to some Disney Plus show that um, has multiple directors. 
you know, because Marvel really stresses the head writer title and the director title. Speaking of which, Kay Heron's done. I'm not sure if you're going to bring that up. That's kind of yeah. crappy, but Kay Heron's already done with Loki. Um, and I, I don't... Marvel Studios is doing it the way they want to do it, and it's a win and a lose, right? As, as like, I mean, of course, I would want to write for Marvel, you know, but at the same time, I can't imagine some established writer wanting to go in the the ecosystem right because how much creative freedom do you actually have you know i mean it's you walk in and they know what they're going to do story-wise you know and you're just there to write dialogue and and uh, you know plot beats and stuff like that so So i am really confused i don't know if you've heard on like Miss Marvel, they're gonna have three different teams of directors. Mm-hmm. So how are they a showrunner if they're not even there for every episode? Are they are they calling the lead writer a show writer? Or are they calling it lead writer? I haven't followed head writer. Head writer is head writer. They, like Michael Waldron was head writer and um Well, I know, but maybe Miss Marvel they're they're changing well, course. Um, I'm trying to remember. I feel like there's one main writer for Miss Marvel, but there's like think, a bunch of. I mean, directors. they've been using the term lead writer instead of showrunner. And Miss Marvel was kind of a bit of a turning point because they are doing. I think Moon Knight has team directors now too. Um, maybe She Hulk. I mean, and that's the thing. Usually, the director. Usually, you don't have a singular director there for the whole series because the, in a TV series, the director there's there's they can't do everything for every episode. So a director might come in, let's say like Daredevil, the episode with the church fight. You know, while they're wrapping up that episode before, the director of that episode is going out, they're scouting the church, they're, you know, getting locations, they're getting any extras hired, they're they're doing that type of stuff. And, and they can't be watching the finishing of the filming of the previous episode. So to do all of the director stuff, they can't do it for every episode. So you have to have multiple directors in that situation, which is also a reason why the showrunner can be there for right. most of it. Could you imagine directing 22 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? <sighs> Man, that would be exhausting. There are are there even still long? I'm sure the procedurals and stuff are still twenty some episode seasons, aren't they? Or the NCISs of the world and such. I don't even. I can't even remember the last time I watched one of those shows. So I'm just looking at, and I just have IMDb. Miss Marvel mm-hmm. right now under writing credits only has created by, and then all six episodes for the person that we've heard of as the head writer. Mm-hmm. And then there's four different directors. One's doing three episodes and each of the others are doing one. But then over at Loki, Loki, it has all, well, it says seven. I don't know what's up with that. All six episodes were written by Michael Waldron and the series is directed by Kate Heron. Yeah. So it sounds like they're changing things around for Miss Marvel and maybe it'll, maybe that will fix some of the things that, that just seem to be areas for improvement so far. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Loki. Uh, oh, we are. Yeah. In the, it, it is over. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as usual, we have, I think, very different opinions in the room on it, which is, I don't know, I think the charm of our podcast. No matter what you felt about it, you'll find one of us that probably felt that way about it as well. And I loved it, so you guys can't leave me any more bad reviews this week. So, <laughs> Adam is Mr. Positive today, yeah. So, I Adam, you, you were into so it, man. It was, it's probably the most comic booky thing we've ever gotten from Marvel Studios. Right up there with spider-man getting dragged by a pegasus while thwipping thor's hammer you know it was so they went um where most people wanted them to go that was kang let's just let's just get that out of the way that that was kang we're not we we'll probably argue about that i'm not sure if no, Caleb is, has thought. is anybody arguing that like is there anybody in good there's faith arguing on this on the there's, internet yes there's people on Twitter and in comment sections arguing that it's not King. But Did he never say it. his name? He no. only said he who, he remains. who remains. Right. Well, who's the actual legitimate character from the comics, but he's so, I think he was in three comics or five comics or something like that. So it's not like, um, I mean, it's sure there's probably two people out there that are upset that they didn't go comic accurate. I mean, he wore a Mortis's costume for Christ's sake, you know, it's. Um, well, did he show us him. any powers? No. Well, he's just a very smart Well, he, he blipped around. Right, right. but well, Kang, that's, that's <laughs> Kang. Kang doesn't have powers. He's powers. a smart guy yeah. that has lots of cool technology. From the end of time. So, they have some cojones, man. Dumping just a 46-minute exposition dump as the series or season finale. But I thought it worked. I mean, it answered most questions... I think I had in the sense that no one really knows what the hell's going on. And it's just crazy, you know, with the multiverse and stuff, what they did with the multiverse makes total sense. Everything's canon round of applause for our agents of shield fans, guys, agents of shield matters. Once again, congratulations, daredevil, um, iron fist and humans. Caleb, congrats to send my, regards to Locked jennifer up, garner's and, um, electra jennifer garner's electra which was written by the way by m raven metzner um and yeah i mean everything it's this is the way they needed to go to make stuff ex- more exciting than avengers endgame right i mean we knew the multiverse was coming with dr strange 2 uh mcguire garfielder and spider-man no way home but just seeing it unfold with Kang and Jonathan Majors, man. What a GD superstar. Um, he is probably, I would not be surprised if he's already filmed other stuff for other properties. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man, maybe Dr. Strange too, maybe. Um, he is going to be in, a, I would say by, 2025 he might have the most individual credits of anyone in the mcu i think what's really funny about it is it makes me think of a heist movie where they're like all right here's all the plans for our heist and then and then there's something like totally ridiculous and spectacular that has to happen for it to work and you're like oh okay that's bold that's to me the writer's room for loki Hey, this is what the last episode is going to look like, and it'll all be fabulous if Jonathan Majors is brilliant 
And it's like, well, do we want to pin the whole show on Jonathan Majors being brilliant? They did, and it worked they out because he was. He was so good. It was super interesting that um, Kate – so what I've got to miss about Kate Heron is the fact that she's super candid with everything. Like, she just gives the press what they want. And I think Entertainment Weekly has a good story with both her and Majors. And apparently – Major's performance on Loki is what got him cast as Kang or something like that. It's all oh. she she explains she explains that how she actually met with Peyton Reed to make sure Majors was in Quantumania. Um I loved it. I mean, obviously, if it was a uh series finale, it wouldn't be as um as awesome because it's like what the hell? I mean, if it was the series finale, I mean, it's right up there with Lost for, but it's not, it's the season finale. We're getting season two. I have no idea where the hell season two is going to go or when it's going to come. Cause it's probably 2023 at the very earliest, maybe. Um, yeah, we can talk about release schedules a little bit. That's going to be weird. Yeah, I loved it. I loved Loki episode six. Uh, the exposition was all right. I mean, majors carried the episode on his back. So Rhiannon, what do you think? I I found it unmemorable. Um, I felt like Majors. I actually I didn't know anything about Majors, so I looked him up because his his performance to me came off as a British act- actor that was trying to do an American accent and kind of failing, like throwing certain words in that had like a little Britishism to him, which was just. And when I looked him up, he's American. So I assume that was an acting choice. And you can always write it off as he's the man at the end of time. He's he who remains. He's um, gone a bit crazy, clearly. Um, I felt like this episode told us a a whole lot, but it would have been nice to see. I mean, I feel like the whole season, now that we've seen it, could have had so much more action and showing us story and really guys i mean we just we did not get mobius on a jet ski so fail um i loved the twist at the end i loved that angsty useless loki ended up in like some different universe with a mobius that doesn't know him and a renslayer that yeah or a b15 that doesn't know him be 20 i forget her number but anyways um you know i mean i loved that twist finally they did i mean i feel like the series finally did some things that were surprising and unexpected and and just interesting um i just it, it truly if this wasn't a series that we would be talking about this weekend if it wasn't something that would be the you know that i knew future properties would be going I would not remember this series a month later. You know, if if it wasn't a Marvel property, if it didn't have this impact on other things coming, I would just totally forget about it in a month. And that's, that, that brings us back to the discussion where, you know, Marvel studios does get away with a significant amount because we know they will answer and or correct stuff in future properties, right? We know Spider-Man No Way Home's coming. We know Doctor Strange 2 is coming. But if Loki was a standalone show, like, 
what the hell yeah i mean and and that's what i'm always looking for in this stuff like give me the show that i can recommend to everybody that doesn't watch these shows already and they would just be confused yeah yeah i mean who who can hop into loki and understand what the hell's going on you know i and i mean but i don't think and the thing is that first episode of loki was nothing but exposition of what's going on and who he was and everything that he did so you used one sixth of his series doing that and it and it doesn't sell to me as a standalone mm-hmm. um but that doesn't mean i didn't enjoy it like i said they, they did a lot of like they they did a lot of things that i've been asking for for a while it just i felt like it could have been more interesting I mean, I feel like everybody that loves King and that like has really been wanting King loves it because they gave King. And I feel like Jonathan Majors, I mean, he was there. He did his performance. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see him in future performances, but I'm not as in love with his performance as everybody else is. And I feel awful saying that. Yeah, yeah that's weird because to, to me, it, it's, I don't know. I loved it so much. Like to me, this is Heath Ledger, Joker, like caliber tier, the mixture of being charming and funny, but also a total psychopathic menace, you know, like he just, he's the kind of guy you'd love to sit down and have a beer with, except for your suspicious, he'd kill you in the middle of it. Like, I just love the ambiguity to him and I loved the way it's set up because there can be so many Kang variants. We're he's going to get to play this character, but he's going to get to play it fourteen different ways based on what universe he's coming from. And I felt like this one was about seeding it, and so like a manic, crazy, hilarious Kang is on the cards somewhere. And I don't know, Peyton Reed as a comedic director might get that out of him. But then there could be one where he'd be a serious general that just wants to slice everybody's throat. And I totally would buy that as well. Like there, he held, I don't know, the way he would like give you a little something and then pull it back and get, and the way they even use the camera movement to zoom in on him and then pull back from him and zoom it. Like it gave you that uncertainty of, I don't know if I can trust this guy, which layered with the whole conversation of Sylvie, can you really trust a Loki? She's hearing that from a Kang, the only other type of variant more untrustworthy than a Loki. And I thought that was all just really smart. The whole time I felt like I was trying to guess and figure out where are we going to go? Like it was, it it very much kept attention to me the whole way through. I'm glad you loved it. (laughs) Um. I do want to bring up the T word, Caleb. It feels like we are officially past the whole timeline multiversal stuff, right? Are, no, are these, no. Are, this was a complete these... validation of the timeline multiverse. Okay, but we're past that now. You don't go like you don't have to go to 1972 to go to Earth three or whatever. So if you want to, if you're in one of the branches that came off that big, the big circle, right? Which is the Mm -hmm. sacred timeline. If you want to go from one of those branches to another branch, you have to go into the sacred timeline through the sacred timeline and then back out one of those branches. Do you though? 
Yes, that's the way Loki, it works. No, because Loki swaps. Loki had no problem swapping universes using a tempad. So yeah, but the tempads are just shorthand, so they don't have to show us the quantum tunneling that they showed us in Endgame. But it's all based on but time there's no travel. Quantum. There's no who says they travel through the quantum realm for the tempads. They didn't even explain. They, they, they didn't explain. They didn't even bring up the quantum realm once, did they? I'm just saying they showed us a physical manifestation of what this looks like, what the multiverse looks like, mm-hmm. and it is branches all branched off of the sacred timeline. Yeah, not anymore. I mean, look at the final shot where there's zero really timelines to be felt, and it's very reminiscent of space instead of instead of timelines. Yeah, but that's. But what you're seeing is a visualization of space time. Oh, I'm just saying it's the multiverse, and you can go from Earth one to Earth two without having to deal with timeline stuff. I don't think philosophically that's the way that theirs works, but sure. <laughs> I mean, right. no, you're you're right that as you watch it as a viewer, mm-hmm. they will have just like they have a Doctor Strange. People will be able to use a sling ring and create a circle and jump from one universe to the other. Conceptually, at the root of the philosophical way they have built the universe, that is technically a form of time travel. But I agree they will not bring that up every time they do it. Right. So we're past that. It was what, what I just said. We're, we're past that whole explanation thing. And now they can just hop between universe to universe to universe to universe without the numbers going across the screen saying... They're in 1972. Yeah, I mean, sure. In my brain, I'm going to be going back to this image from this episode of all the branches. I'm going to think, oh, they must have gone back in time to the main sacred timeline. Why would you do that to yourself, though? Because there's no way to ever prove that unless they come up with one of those (laughs) old Disney movie maps where the boat's going across the ocean or something. You know, I mean... King's not going to be coming from, you know, 1927 or whatever. He's coming from a a different universe where he's been, which is they, each universe has their own TVA, right? Uh, There are, there's multiple TVAs now is my understanding. So how do we explain? But is there, or is there a new king that wanted to control the fate of the universe? So they created an alternate TVA. So I guess. And they happen to prune the exact same people. So where, where I have concerns and we'll see how it goes. I have seen people suggest, Oh no, maybe they changed the time travel logic and whatever happened with Sylvie and Kang led to the TVA just changing Mm -hmm. that bothers me significantly because it completely undoes the entire way the universe has been built. I think it's more likely that there are multiple TVAs that are in different um, timelines that different Kangs have created. What about the, um, the diagram of the stacked universes that had nothing to do with, with the timeline? Both well, the, the stacked beginning. universes have to do with the timeline because the timeline keeps you from having stacked universes. Yeah. 
The, after this show, it is so clear. If the but way the look at the, I'm not the saying multi- he, didn't, he had nothing to do with the timeline. He he says he found the stacked universes, and they eventually crossed over because all the king, the Council of Kings, got together. And then he created the TVA to and keep. And then he separated the his own timeline out, and he had to create the TVA to keep it separate from the other universes. Yeah, but the whole way that Kang has regulated the multiverse is by regulating the timeline. He wouldn't have formed the TVA if there was another way to do it. It was the time variance authority because timeline ruptures are the total, the source of where all multiversal stuff comes from. Caleb's right. Adam's wrong. No. (laughs) No, it's. I mean, it's. There's infinite possibilities. So you're telling me that Squadron Supreme only exists in the timeline that branched off from July fourth, nineteen seventy six, at five a.m. Central Time, five a.m. in thirty six seconds, and I would say milliseconds, and in yes. this, and the Squadron Supreme only yeah. exists in that one timeline. I would say in a multiverse like this, there should be millions of Squadron Supremes that exist in millions of alternate timelines that branched at millions of different junctures. And some of them will look very similar and some of them will look different. But there there shouldn't be one Squadron Supreme. There should be millions, but there should also be hundreds of hundreds of millions that don't have a Squadron Supreme. Remember, we have an infinite amount of universes now because there's an infinite amount of points at which the divergences happen. Which means the multiverse is real, and we can see Wesley Snipes' blade cross over, and we can see Daredevil cross over, and we can see all of Daredevil's villains cross over, and we can see Turk, and we can see Iron Fist, and we can see Quicksilver, and now Loki is before WandaVision. So Ralph well, except Bonner for they very quickly created a new TVA to weed out the crap. Well, it's interesting, though, Rihanna, because we don't know what the TVA that Loki ends up in is doing well i mean the conversation he walks into is them analyzing that branches are forming so they clearly monitor branches and do something in that regard right but they said we don't know what he wants us to do there's a lot you get the sense that like that tva is about let's not let this get out of control it's like, oh, we've had branches before, but this is way more than we've ever had. Well, even in the original TVA, I didn't get the feeling they weren't crossing every branch or they weren't pruning every branch ever. They were pruning the branches that created. They went to like, the red line. So like evidently, you know, you could have that river theory of, you know, it's not every butterfly flap. It's, you know if the butterfly flaps its wings too hard um yeah the the river theory that they had an agents of shield so yeah right well and i've heard somebody hypothesize i think it's good that the red line is the point at which a new timeline creates a new king yeah absolutely totally makes sense that and the fact that this is all just a power struggle of kang versus his other kangs i don't know it this is another reason I love this show. The thematic stuff about power and how people use power and how they use it to form bureaucracy and religion and faith and the way people value security and structure and potentially how that affects how they view the truth. Like I found 
the philosophical stuff just causes me to come back and think and think and think about the show so much so that for me it's probably the marvel the disney plus show i will think about the most when it's over because i go right back into all the philosophical stuff that's at the root of it there you have it children if you want supreme power over everything you have to make up the most complex timeline multiversal thing in the possible history of of all things all right i'm done with it i'm not <laughs> let's what's the next topic i'm telling you adam you won't do it but there's great like tedx videos about like quantum yeah that's not marvel stuff and anyone could say what the hell they want you could listen to neil degrasse tyson who's gonna say something about different than some guy who even until someone until there's irrefutable proof that jeff bezos actually is from a different reality or some bullshit yeah it's i mean it's nothing but theories you know that's true i mean we're talking about superheroes here that travel through time in a norse god so i mean whatever i mean kang brought out the different universes and i still don't understand how um the timeline his sacred timeline branches out to all those other ones but um yeah it's it's whatever I mean, how's how's that work? You know, we saw the three different universes stacked on one of the top of each other, so we still didn't see those um, really interact with each other. We just saw the one sacred timeline split into a bunch of different timelines. So, where do those other stacked universes come into play? Oh, so different, they're different branches that all have the same overlap of time. So, like, if one of the branches happened in 1920, another one in 1950, another 1980, they all are going to have a moment that is 2000. And if you cut that, like you cut a cake, you would see those three universes stacked on top of each other in the year 2000, but their roots go back to a different place. That's insane, and that's stupid, and uh, <laughs> whatever. They didn't, they didn't say it, no, they, I know for a fact they didn't say that in the final right. episode. To me, it is the most consistent time travel philosophical thing that any movie, like Back to the Future makes me want to throw, I love that movie, but it makes me want to throw my DVD player out the window because it doesn't make any sense. This to me makes complete and total sense and makes a universe that I can, I can understand. So it would just be much easier if they said, oh man, here's Earth 1 and Earth 2. Who gives a (laughs) about going back to 1666 to, to get there <laughs> i'm telling you adam you gotta you gotta watch uh more youtube videos about schrodinger's cat man it'll it'll, it'll i have your way mind. better stuff to do <laughs> than watching tedx of some <laughs> professor I, I have plenty of to do um anything else i mean i feel like we got i, I was happy we got miss minutes back and Miss Minutes is sort of like Kang's personal digital assistant, and she's just helping him cause havoc. I felt like that paid off. I felt like they did an okay job paying off the school. You know, like Ravana was a was a principal, and you know that's her background. Yeah, uh, I felt they tied up strings well enough. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Adam. You mentioned timelines on this, so 
I still don't get a sense of how many Disney Plus shows we're getting a year. This year we're getting six. I don't know if that's we're getting more because COVID stuff backed them up. Um, we know She-Hulk and Moon Knight are in development or in, in production and maybe even are finished filming. I don't know, are close. Um, those are coming out in the first half of next year. We know that Secret Invasion is starting up here soon. But then after that, Echo and Ironheart and Armor Wars and Loki 2, all of that stuff seems to be a 2022 production. Uh, most of these things need a year turnaround. So, like, I'm trying to figure out, are we only getting three or four shows next year? Like, it's been a little confusing to me on that front. But uh, No, we'll get... Uh, I mean, we'll get What If Season 2, too. We, no, we'll probably get Echo next year. They're fast-tracking Echo. Okay, um, so you think they'll film that in January, but be able to turn it around and be ready by... Right. I, I, I'm assuming Echo will... Um, um, be out before Ironheart or Armor Wars because I haven't even formed the um, Armor Wars um, writers room yet. They don't even have right. a showrunner. Yeah. Um. Same for Ironheart. Um. Certain things need to happen for Ironheart to even come out, anyways. First, so I don't see there's a rush there. Um. But I think Echo is the easiest to get together. I could also see Echo being a much more in-camera, not so much VFX house heavy um, project. Yeah, so. what else? I mean, it depends on how they do like her powers and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but even then, that's... Yeah, I don't... There's not alien worlds to, to model and stuff like that, unless they actually take Echo to hell for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and do Mephisto like most people are are theorizing or Marduk, um, you know, that Hellstrom cross. So Hellstrom's canon now, guys. So I wonder which, which, what timeline is... I feel like using the word canon is a little bit extreme. <laughs> Everything is canon. Everything has potential to be canon. Yes. Here's that's what, right. which here's really what's insane. Okay, so we're talking infinite timeline. So we're talking if there's infinite timelines in the Mars sure there's a timeline there's out still there. not enough to make agents of shield canon i'm saying this is what would be fascinating is if feige hates something that was made so badly that he's like no we could bring it into the multiverse we're just not going to because we hate it <laughs> this multiverse is infinite and it's still not it's still not it it's i mean it works for for dc and james i'm applaud james gunn for saying that how he he didn't really throw shade at Marvel, but he says he identifies more with DC because mm-hmm. they can do all sorts of other stuff. I mean, they can do Joaquin Phoenix's Joker in the same universe they're doing uh, Crypto the Superdog or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it's technically all it's all canon because it's well, the DC multiverse, and so nothing matters anymore in the Marvel universe, too. You know, so so if there's something that happened that they don't want to matter anymore, it's not going to matter. Like, there'll always be this explanation now of, well, there's the multiverse. Oh, well, you know, yeah, time well, travel. Yeah, and, and to me, the stakes are a little bit lower, and it's... That's why you have the multi-Marvel cinematic timeline. 
there we go the mct you have that one timeline that's the mcu and all the other timelines can do whatever so making the way everything I... canon harms nothing it harms nothing at all so i i'm with you rhiannon i if everything is canon then it doesn't matter you can kill quicksilver there's billions of other quicksilvers mm-hmm. i i think they've set it up right though that the fan is now a little bit like Kang in that we have a sacred timeline. There is the core timeline, the sacred timeline, the MCU that we all love. And it is more important and more significant than the other stuff. So yeah, it sort of canonizes Ben Affleck's daredevil, but that's not sacred timeline. That's a multiverse. And I do think that what happens in the sacred timeline is still of greater importance and is like a canon within the canon for, for, for us fans. And they have to maintain that or else we really won't care. You know, like it doesn't matter that Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man died. If you're just going to pop up another RDJ Iron Man out of nowhere, like that is a problem. And so they need doing that with King who's the next big marvel villain no so that's fair i think that there are going to be characters who they allow that leeway more than others so loki and kang are sort of these cosmic Mm -hmm. joker wild cards that will be fine if we get lots of versions of it allows allows us to get a different tony stark back rdj doesn't have to i mean we just went through variants they could do all sorts of stuff and it's not going to be the same iron man because then we fall back into the trap well are loki and sylvie actually the same people right. doesn't that discount them if if they're both loki and all that stuff you know there's but i'm saying they shouldn't do that we should not be getting another iron man anytime soon another tony stark anytime soon because oh, yeah. that will devalue the whole thing if it's just oh, every time somebody dies, we'll just replace them with another actor. Who because cares? who's devaluing it? You're devalu- devaluing it because I mean that Tony Stark still died. That Tony Stark still suffered. That Tony Stark still gave up his life for that timeline. I mean this Tony Stark. Who knows? Maybe he's a complete ass. Maybe he's the Tony Stark in the Illuminati that looks nothing like Robert Downey Jr. Maybe maybe it's Tony Stark with a I instead of a Y or something. Maybe it's Right. But you have to, to me, it's just an inherent rule of the world. Like scarcity creates value. And so if they're giving us a new Tony Stark every three weeks, it just is less valuable inherently. But but the Marvel Cinematic Universe is essentially a comic storyline. Michael Waldron writes six episodes of a series for someone else to pick up the pieces. And that writer's going to write it. Yeah. But for me, that's why writer's going to that's why I love the MCU so much more than I love the comics universe because the comic universe at times does feel cheap and deaths don't matter because people always come back and you know, like it doesn't mean anything. There will be another Iron Man in the MCU at some point. I mean, the MCU is not going away. You know, they are going to run through everything and have to bring back Iron Man and, and Captain America and all that stuff. And Tony Stark. I mean, at some point it's like star wars man uh, the mcu is going to outlive all three of us right and it's i mean that makes me sad i, I want i kind of want i'm selfishly want to see it end like i hope that in my 60s they like wrap it up so i can say i saw the whole thing right but it i don't think it, it cheapens any of it 
You know, I mean, maybe maybe it does, but I I mean, I, I just Tony think Stark still gave up his life and saved that universe. There's yes. a reason why Uncle Ben always stays dead in the comics. Like they mess with everything else, but Uncle Ben stays dead because it's important that he stays dead for Peter's development. And we all know Tony Stark is the new Uncle Ben. So correct, yeah. No, that's that's, that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah. All right, but I mean, they're going to bring something. I mean, Yondu's going to be in Guardians Three, at least in a flashback or multiverse, multiversal thing, since they did have to rewrite Guardians Three or something. Um, I mean, it, it goes back to the prequel thing. Either prequels aren't cheap because prequels are still stories. You know, obviously, we know what happens to the characters afterwards, but that doesn't cheapen that story i mean that still has the right to be a quality story well and this i think is why you, i, try I, to I get think that's it Hellboy. all that we really need are quality stories if they do it and it makes sense and it's a quality story i'm i'm getting tired of i feel like the past three shows we watched were just setting up something else like they had a good story within them but really what journey did loki go on that we haven't seen before like i feel like the character fine by the end he could love he felt he might have been good we don't even know but we've already seen a journey of loki going from you know becoming a better person um as long as we have good stories and and i'm ready for some stories that are about the story and that's why black widow felt so refreshing after these series give us good stories so if you guys had to rank the three shows thus far how would you rank them as we wrap this up uh, good question loki then the other two are probably interchange i would say i don't know falcon winter soldier was pretty inconsistent too i liked wandavision saved for the finale but then the falcon and winter soldier was both consistent and more inconsistent um Trodingers, Disney Plus show. I mean, the only thing I've wanted to go back and rewatch is Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I don't know if that's because it's the better series. Just I enjoyed the characters there. Right. I would argue it's also the most complete too. You could hop into Falcon and Winter Soldier not knowing what's going on and and get something out of it. So I'd probably put Falcon or Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier than WandaVision. Loki would probably be the only out of the three to crack my overall MCU top 10. And I'm not sure. I mean, like I rewatched Falcon Winter Soldier a little bit. Um, I haven't had any desire to go back and rewatch WandaVision at all. I don't have any real desire to go back and watch Loki. Um, But probably, I mean, I think for quality and everything, probably wandavision falcon and loki yeah i'm wandavision loki and then falcon and winter soldier so i i love wandavision and it is i think it is one of my top 10 mbcus i just i love wandavision so much but this uh like i said i felt like this i think we can all agree this is the best finale of as far as finales goes the Mm -hmm. best finale of the three shows we've had so far so yeah, I just, I can't believe I'm even saying this. I wanted it to have more action. Like, am I the only person that misses Loki using magic? 
like right they didn't even get into that hardly yeah i really wanted to see like loki using magic and i mean uh, last time i talked we were talking about like the you know yeah the tva fights maybe loki's not that good because he's having a struggle to not use magic at the tva but after elias like with king like I feel like that the two Lokis fighting, there was so much potential to have like a very cool magic competition. Like, I I don't know. I just, I feel like there's Loki unexplored Loki potential that we didn't get to see. Well, and we talked about that long conversation about duplications versus illusions. And that felt like it would be a plot point. And no, it was just an elaborate in joke, I think. So, yeah. So we have a ton of stuff in the mailbag real quick. Cool. Uh, Love Waffle was no, talking about Black no, Widow. And he was saying um, the biggest thing Love Waffle didn't like about Black Widow was the way the movie ends with Taskmaster. Because Taskmaster treats, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Dracoff as a bad guy in the end that she was like subjected to. And he's like, Nat is the one that did this to her. Like, like, and ultimately black widow did far like maybe not far more but she like she did terrible things to her and the idea that at the end she'd be like oh we're both girls and i had that red dust in my nose so now i like you and i do- and i hate my dad it's like she should still hate nat's guts like nat still blew her up when she was six years old like that is not that, that was something that was too easily overcome you know do you think she knew Nat was responsible for that explosion? I mean, other than, uh, did she overhear the conversation? Yeah, she was there mm-hmm. when Dracoff talked about it. So, but still, her whole life, her dad was manipulating her into oh. a machine. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, at the same time, he was saving her life from being blown up. <laughs> you know, like it's okay for her to not like her dad but the idea that then she gets to the ground and she's like hey nat don't worry about it that whole blowing me up as a child thing no big deal that was probably something that should have been developed a little more yeah i someone uh we might have to talk to with villanueva about this or something i would like to see someone re-edit black widow without any taskmaster shots and see if anything actually changes (laughs) yeah then we had somebody named Little Bingo say Loki and Sylvie were snuggling under a blanket and holding hands. Do fans think that's just good friends behavior? Uh, we got the kiss. I mean, yeah, we got a kiss this kiss. time. I don't know. Is snuggling under a blanket necessarily romantic or like, I don't know. Haven't you sat under a blanket at a cold football game with a friend that you weren't necessarily like attracted to? Nope. Only do that with people I'm attracted to. Oh, romantically blanket snuggling is limited to okay blanket snuggling is strictly sexy time i mean i think when you're stranded on an on on, at the end of the earth and there's nothing to do like there's there's different emotional circumstances as well but you know i'll snuggle under a blanket with whoever you know if i'm in that circumstance but in antarctica you're gonna snuggle with whoever (laughs) yeah yeah i mean if i'm at the end of the world at the end of the timeline um and i'm cold and i'm getting ready to go into battle like who cares i'm gonna hold hands to warm them up and i'm gonna snuggle um 
and that's one of the, I mean, like, like if I'm going to have a big gripe about Loki, like that relationship, I, I realize that we're dealing with two characters that don't wear their emotions on their sleeve, but I feel like they left a lot of it up to ambiguity when it could have been a little bit more clear or there could have been more value to it being more expressed. See, and I, also, like, I loved I, the ambiguity, but yeah. Yeah, I. I also, in hindsight, I'm a little bit miffed. I mean, like, they they confirmed Loki's bisexuality and then just threw him straight into a hetero relationship. But Disney's going to Disney, so. It's interesting. I've seen LGBTQ advocates, though, saying that, like, requiring a bi person to end yeah. up with someone of the same gender is sort of not respecting and understanding what it means to be bi. So, yeah. I don't know. I can see it both ways. I respect that, too. Yeah. Um, Dave said he was wondering if the man behind the curtain would be a Sylvie variant. It was not. So, <laughs> uh, over on Twitter, uh, Alvi. So I had thrown out the theory that maybe Sylvie is a different, like, is adopted and is Loki, but is not a frost giant. But apparently, some of the paperwork, if you read carefully, has Sylvie listed as uh, her last name as Loffy daughter meaning she's the daughter of Laffy, so she is a frost giant from Laffy, just the same as our Loki is. So that was very clever and a good catch that I did not recognize. Uh, and then I have one more. Matt Turner Toad was sending something to us. I'm trying to find it. Oh, the only thing that we didn't talk about was the Deadpool Korg video. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which was just lovely. That's all. That took place in um, Earth 2019. June 6th. Um, what happened on June 6th, 2019? Besides Korg and Deadpool meeting. What was the Nexus event? Uh, is he in the MCU now? Is Deadpool in the MCU? I, I don't think commercials count as MCU personally, but yeah i just it was it was interesting i mean there's a commercial where loki is talking about car insurance with the geico gecko i don't think that means the canon geico is everything canon. I, that's what i'm saying everything's canon now why not everything <laughs> if they want it to be as canon i mean if feige wanted to screw with us i would just be doing tons of stuff like that like just have commercials that have phil colson and you know rocket raccoon and just play with everybody there's powered people in the mcu and they are going to sell their services you know i mean it's the boys yeah it's watch the boys adam every time you say everything is canon it immediately um makes me think of the incredibles where they like tell their kids everyone is special and the kids like if everyone is special then no one is special. If everything is canon, canon is meaningless. Canon is specifically a subset of things that are different and held apart from the rest of okay, everything else. Every live action Marvel thing that Disney owns the live action rights to is canon. <laughs> How about that? Uh, I'll make a list. Blade 1, Blade 2, Blade 3, um, Sp- no, not Spider-Man. 
um generation x from the late 1990s that's canon um all the x-men movies that's canon x-men uh, the animated series oh that's why i think and i'm saying this right now in either no way home or doctor strange in the multiverse of madness we are either going to get a spider-verse cameo from sony or we are going to get some animated or earth 616 cameo in doctor strange that'd be interesting pick a fork in it they are going to bring earth 616 or the animated stuff in officially or what if people what if people i mean captain carter might show up um as herself live action self i mean Haley alwell was there i think that's where she's filming mission impossible 7 so I finally found Matt Turner's tweet and it was, he's on vacation with his family and he sent us a picture of an alligator. So Aww. a picture of a picture of an alligator. Stay safe, Matt. Australia right, to not. us Americans always sounds like a wilderness of terrifying things that could kill you. So, Right. Are you sure he's on vacation or was he just like chilling out by the barbecue in the backyard and now yes. just so happened to be there? <laughs> For those of us who grew up with Crocodile Dundee, Australia, no one wears shirts, uh, sleeves on their shirts, and they all have alligators in their backyard, and they're constantly cooking shrimp on the barbie. So, oh, Without the shrimp, that's just Florida. <laughs> um, as far as the show, guys, I do not know what our recording schedule is. We'll take probably some break between now and what if. If I had to guess, we'll definitely pod if there's a No Way Home trailer, which... I would assume there will be in the next week or two, but uh, we'll just play by ear. Thanks for listening. As always, at Charles Murphy to uh, get your latest Spider-Man No Way Home updates. (laughs) That's right. If you want to know when the trailer is, just ask Charles. Uh, Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, We appreciate it. Helps everything keep going. um, Thanks for following us on social media, and we'll see you guys later.